Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24, and the message entitled, Timothy, the Willing Servant. Paul has uh, demonstrated his servant heart after the example of Christ to show the reality and the practicality of what Christ requires of every believer, not just the few. Paul has modeled the example of Christ in his service to the Philippians, as we noted in verses 17 through 18, by three things. Paul was a living sacrifice for the Philippians in the beginning of verse 17. Paul lived to serve the Philippians, the rest of 17. And Paul loved to rejoice with the Philippians, the end of the 17 and 18. Now Paul commended Timothy for following the same example of Christ as he served others in the ministry And it's characterized by three things. And after him will come Epaphroditus and just godly men after the example that he's requiring here in chapter 2. Let me read verses 19 through 24. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own. Not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know the proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. And so Paul's commendation of Timothy To follow the example of Christ as he served others is characterized by the following. First, Timothy was a faithful servant. Verses 19 and 20. A faithful servant. Secondly, Timothy was a loyal servant. Verses 21 and 22. And thirdly, Timothy was an available servant. Verses 23 and 24. He begins pointing out that Timothy was a faithful servant. Verse 19 and 20. Now, faithfulness has to do with being reliable by outward actions and deeds consistently through time. Faithfulness. Notice the Apostle Paul planned to dispatch Timothy to Philippi here. In verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. Paul was being directed by God. Sometimes people say, well, you know, who was Paul? And he was just making up his own mind. And he was a male chauvinist. And they forget that he's writing and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and being directed by God. He qualifies the decision he proposed as from God. But I trust in the Lord Jesus. The word trust means to hope or to have full confidence, not in himself, but the Lord. This confident hope was in the Lord Jesus, who was guiding Paul at this time, even as he had guided them to Philippi to establish the church, as we've seen clearly. As you know, the word Lord Kurios It's a title of an owner or a master of a possession or a person in those days. It's also used for respect and reverence, honor. Appearing 15 times in the letter, it's key. And Jesus, as you know, is his name, Yahweh of salvation. The Greek name of the Hebrew name, Joshua. The contraction, Yahweh, Shua, Jehovah of salvation. The angel Gabriel told Mary, you should call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He shall save his people from their sins. Twenty-two times it appears in the letter of Jesus. Key. Now, he also qualifies, notice the timing of sending Timothy. He says shortly. The word means quickly, speedily, rapidly, indicating his utmost concern for the Philippians. When a mother is caring for her children, there's an utmost urgency for the things that she has to care for them. Um, Paul even makes this uh, metaphor of a nursing mother in Galatians as he writes to them. 
he was waiting for the Lord Jesus for the right time. That's probably the hardest thing that we have is waiting for God's timing. We're impatient. We're undisciplined. And sometimes it's because we don't want what he wants. We have our own agenda. But remember when the when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said things like, Whatever you ask my name, you will receive. But the context is a disciple. The definition of a disciple is deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. So if you're a disciple, you're denying yourself, and the things that you're asking is not for yourself, really, but for others, right? Doesn't mean you can't ask for yourself, but that's not the primary purpose of prayer. You see? This is where the positive confession people get, you know, you know, name it and claim it. And, you know, and God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and claim all the money you want, right? And he wants you to have a Cadillac, you know, because it says if you ask and believe, you get it. Out of context, completely out of context. His motive was love for them, gladly being poured out as a drink offering for them. As he stated earlier in chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. Notice Paul was being directed to send Timothy. Timothy is the focus of this section after the example of Christ. Timothy was trusting the spiritual discretion of Paul to send him. When we come to Christ, we understand God is in control of our lives. But we're also aware that men can mislead people. So we listen and follow men and others as long as they are following Christ and the standard and the directives of the scriptures. We don't follow people contrary to the scriptures. That's very, very important. That's where we get in trouble. The name Timothy, as you know, means he who honors God, a faithful servant of Jesus here. Timothy's name appears 18 times in Paul's letter, six times in Acts. Timothy is mentioned three times along with Paul in the salutation of 2 Corinthians 1.1, Philippians 1.1, and Philemon 1.1. Timothy is the only one in the New Testament joined with the introduction with Paul by the title Dulos, a bond servant, appearing in chapter 1, verse 1, and in chapter 2, verse 7. The only one. The young man stood out from others, as we'll see. Notice the Apostle Paul planned to get firsthand information from Timothy about the present condition of the Philippians. He says that I also may be encouraged, that's why he's sending them, when I know your state, Paul uses the word that, the word henna, to indicate a purpose clause. Whenever you have, it's called a henna clause because it has purpose behind it. That, for this reason, is what it's saying. This indicates a very specific intent behind the sending of Timothy. The purpose is clear. He knew he would get a faithful report from Timothy regarding their spiritual condition. There are some people that because you know their character, as we'll see with Timothy, you can count on them. You know you're going to get absolute truth and accuracy about whatever it is that you've asked them to do for you. You can trust them completely. The motive behind Paul's intended purpose was to encourage, to be encouraged by them. The word is a compound word, encouraged there, yuo, from the word well. And the second suki means the breath of life. The two words together mean in good spirit or cheerful, present, active, continuously. This is one of the purposes he's sending Timothy. He wants to know accurate information so he can be joyful over them. It's found only this time in the New Testament, this form. Now, notice he had a general knowledge of their state or condition, but he wanted a more detailed report. 
one of the things that women and mom always complain about sons and husbands is that when they're asked questions, we give very brief answers. We don't give all the detail. But if you ask a lady, she will just dress it all up. You will find out everything. So here, like a, a, a caring mother, he is wanting more information so he can accurately be praying for them and meeting their need, which is very important. The word know their gnosko means to, to perceive and understand. The tense is the participle eris active, literally having known. With that understanding, then you can assess it and see what you have to do. Notice Paul indicated many other things he was concerned about in the letter. At this point, this is just one. But he was anxious over their concern for him in chapter 1, verse 12, we've seen. Paul wanted them to know the importance of their prayers, as he said in chapter 1, verse 19. And Paul wanted to know how they were doing in their persecution under it in chapter 1, verse 28. Paul wanted to know if they were falling prey to the Judaizers when we get to chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. And Paul desired to hear about the reconciliation between Yodias and Syntyche in chapter 4, verse 2. So there were a lot of concerns that Paul had in mind over the Philippians that he had general knowledge but not any real specific things. So he's going to send Timothy, a faithful servant. Now look at verse 20. The apostle Paul planned on sending the best person for the job. Paul was saying he had no person who thought more like him than Timothy. Listen to his words. For I have no one like-minded. The word like-minded means of equal soul or of one soul regarding the Philippians' spiritual care. Like-minded implies no one like Paul showing his concern towards them. But Timothy, like-minded also implies there is no one like Timothy as a servant. No one like Paul, but no one like Timothy. Because Paul never compared himself to anybody else, but here he is exalting Timothy. Usually when we compare ourselves to another, we pick someone worse than us, so we end up on top. Paul is demonstrating the servant and the thing that he's requiring of being like Christ He's demonstrating it all through this epistle. Paul meant Timothy had the proper attitude that would promote unity in the interests of others, as chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 says. Doing nothing through self-ambition, selfish ambition and conceit of verse 3. Doing everything in humility of mind, esteeming others better than themselves and the rest of 3. Looking not to his own interests, but the things of others. In verse 4, this being the mind of Christ, verse 5. This is the things that we have to work diligently every day, every time something occurs, every time I'm going to speak, every time I'm going to take something into my mind, every time I have to remind myself that I have the mind of Christ. I need to put it on. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus doesn't come automatic. I wish it did. This did not mean that every other person working with Paul was not faithful or trustworthy. But there were some that he certainly were not. Very evident. We'll see some of those. It simply means that Timothy was God's man for the job at hand. You know, when you have to do a job, if you've got to cut some wood, you... Pick the saw that fits best the job. If you're going to just rip off some, rip some, you know, rough wood and it's for framing, you don't pick a real nice blade. But if you're going to do some finished carpentry, then you've got to pick a different blade, right? And so you've got to know the people who are best suited for whatever God wants done. Very important. 
Yet he already mentioned some who were not faithful nor could be trusted as they were hoping to add affliction to his chains out of envy, strife, and selfish ambition by preaching the gospel, as he said in chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. And they declared to be Christians. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. listen to what he says. So I sought a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me and behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Wow. At that particular time, God found no one. Now we either have to say that God is telling the truth or he's lying or he's exaggerating. The people that God wants to use, as we'll see, are those that are in love with the Lord. They're always going to do the best job because there's no greater and more pure motive than love. Think of a mother, all the work she does. What's her motivation? Because she hates her kids? Because she loves them. It's the purest motivation. Paul was saying Timothy had a heart of a shepherd, just like Paul, who will sincerely care for your state. He indicated the purity of Timothy's heart for the Philippians. The word sincerely means naturally, genuinely, legitimately. This is the only time the word appears in this form in the New Testament. He identified the passion of Timothy's love for the Philippians. Look at the word care there. It means to be anxious by thinking of them for their best interest in heart and in mind. The understanding being Timothy would do anything and everything necessary for them. The same word is used again, but in the negative. As we um, get to chapter 4, verse 6, it says... Be anxious for nothing in the negative, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, made known to God. So the same aspect of caring for the things of God, not being anxious, the same way he's caring for them because he's anxious over their concern even as a mother, even as a father, or someone who loves a wife or a husband or their children. For the work to be effective, there are three things that are absolutely necessary. First, to be called by God. Second, to be anointed by God. Thirdly, to be sent by God. Absolutely essential for the work of God to be fruitful. Listen to Isaiah. What a classic illustration of this. Isaiah 6, 7 through 9. And he touched my mouth with it, the coal that he took from the altar, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. When God calls you, he anoints you, he gives you that message, he sends you. Then you'll be effective. Only you can know that. No one else. Nowadays, too many Men call and send themselves to start a church overnight. They use the latest internet technology to promote their church. They use marketing and church growth principles to make their church grow. They teach a watered-down gospel to attract people, to not offend them. This is the church that we see flourishing in many ways, a seeker-friendly, the emergent church. 
If the Lord tarries, there will be another wave that will replace them. So you have to listen with a critical ear. What is being taught? Does it line up with Scripture? Is it the church of Jesus Christ? Is it the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Examining it. Acts 13.2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of the ministry which I have called them. There it is again. We don't call ourselves as Christians to the ministry or as pastors. You see, a seminar or a seminary can give you a degree, but they can't anoint you. You can have a PhD, but it doesn't mean you're called. It doesn't mean you have any anointing. And it doesn't mean that you're sent by God. Now, your denomination may send you. You may send yourself, but God help the people. It has to be God to do the work. Jesus is the ultimate example of a shepherd, as you know. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep in John 10, 11. Every pastor or shepherd is an under-shepherd. In 1 Peter 5, 2 through 4, he says, um, um, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And when Christ, the chief shepherd, appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Because he's the one that called you. He's the one that gave you the message. He's the one that gave you the gifts. And he's the one you depended on. And if you've done it faithfully, then he will reward you for the motive of your service. Not the amount of your service to an extent, but the motive. Being a pastor or shepherd is like being a spiritual parent. Listen to Paul the Apostle as he uh, kind of reproves the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15. He says, Now, for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. If you're going to serve the Lord, you stick these two verses in your heart. And always remind yourself when you feel offended. Okay? God doesn't have thin-skinned servants. Okay? They look to their master. And they see that he's not thin-skinned. He's the servant of all. God is not looking for talented or capable people necessarily, but faithful people to obey their call, regardless of the sacrifice or cost, regardless of the number of people, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the complaint and the murmuring. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2 says, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it's required in stewards that one be found faithful. Timothy was a faithful servant. Notice secondly, Timothy was a loyal servant. The apostle Paul declared, the problem with some who served Christ was they were not loyal. Listen to his words. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ. So Paul pointed out the bent of some is their carnal nature as they serve for self-interest. For all seek their own. He's talking about believers here. Okay? He's not talking about non-believers. The word all certainly cannot include every believer. Absolutely. 
All means all those around him at that time, perhaps capable and competent to make the journey to Philippi, but would not. He just didn't offer. Loyalty has to do with remaining true to a person by inward character, who you are, not who you say you are. Loyalty. Demas would forsake Paul for the world in 2 Timothy 4.10. No one came to Paul's aid during the three years he was in prison at Caesarea. Do you realize that? No one. (laughs) At Paul's first defense, no one stood with him, but all would forsake him in 2 Timothy 4.16. The Lord stood with him. Set your mind on things above, Paul tells the Colossians in chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. If you're a Christian, you may have to stand alone at one time or another. It's happened to many throughout the ages. Notice Paul pointed out the bent of some in their carnal state. Again, not for the interests of Jesus not the things of Christ Jesus. The care for the people, to love the people, to teach the people, to encourage the people, to warn the people, to serve the people. We don't see anything else but servant leadership in the Bible. The way up is down. It's an upside-down kingdom. (laughs) Notice the apostle Paul here declared their personal acquaintance with the loyal character of Timothy here in verse 22. But you know his proven character. So Timothy was well known to the Philippians. The word know there's gnosko to mean to know by experience. It's not by something someone has told you, but you've had contact and... You've witnesses for yourself. Timothy was with Paul at the establishment of the church, as we've seen, and they had interacted with Timothy for the last 10 years that he and Paul had established the church. Timothy had stood the test of character through time and three trips. Those three trips to Philippi are noted in Acts 16, 13, 19, 22, and 20, verse 3. The word proven means to be tested, resulting in trustiness, trustworthiness. Putting someone or something to the test for the purpose of approval. And it's used for the testing of metals, this word, and coins appearing this time only in the letter. Character is who you are inwardly, at heart not who you appear to be outwardly and who people believe you are or think you are. So faithfulness has to do with outward things. Loyalty has to do with inward things. Okay? This word uh, placed Timothy in contrast to those in verse 21 who seek their own in the work of Christ If you think everybody that's in ministry or every pastor loves the people, you are crazy. If you think everybody that is a pastor or in church ministry or work is there for your best interests, you're wrong. W.C. Field says there was a sucker born every minute. People know how to rip off people, how to deceive people. They know what to say. Jesus exposed the Pharisees. They were the ones of the day, right? Widows, orphans. They love the chief seats. They love to be paraded. Say, oh, Rabbi, when they see him in the marketplace, right? Nothing has changed. Just the individuals. 
He was well spoken of by the brethren at Lystra and Iconium, so Paul took him as his helper, remember, in Acts 16, 1 through 5. Incredible man. He had been present when Paul went to Philippi and encountered ill treatment there in Acts 16, 11 through 40. He didn't bail. Mark bailed. Not Timothy. Now, Mark got reconciled. Came to be a good guy, but Timothy hung in there. He was in Thessalonica and Berea when the Jews chased Paul and Silas out and he and Silas remained in Berea in Acts 17, 1 through 14. He met Paul at Athens in Acts 17, 15. He didn't seek his own. He sought the things of Christ. Yet it seems to have been that Timothy was a timid young man, sickly with some stomach problems, as First Timothy five twenty three and Second Timothy one six through seven says. No one that you and I perhaps physically would pick. Yet God picked him, anointed him, called him, sent him out. So there's a big difference between God choosing individuals and our choosing individuals. Timothy had been loyal to Paul as a son. A powerful metaphor here of steadfast loyalty motivated by family love. Son and a father. Listen to his words that as a son with a father, he served. Timothy left his mother, as you know. His father was already dead. And he went with Paul, Acts 16.3. Timothy looked to Paul for discretion and instruction. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and as his disciple. Timothy submitted himself to Paul as his spiritual father. He trusted him. He, 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 he followed. He listened. He believed what he was taught. In fact, he says in the pastoral epistle, you, 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 you know what I've taught you. Hand that down to other people. Timothy was sent to Macedonia with Erastus while Paul stayed in Asia in Ephesus in Acts 19.22. Then Timothy was sent to Corinth calling him his beloved and faithful son in the Lord in 1 Corinthians 4.17. Corinth was a tough, tough ministry, and he sends Timothy, someone who's timid, someone who's sickly. Perfect guy for the job. Notice Timothy had served as a bondservant with Paul in the gospel, verse 22 says. Timothy knew the gospel was to evangelize the lost and to further its advance, as Paul said in the first chapter, verse 12. He was there by appointment in prison. Timothy was at Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus, Colossae, and Rome. He had also been imprisoned, by the way, Timothy, book of Hebrews says, chapter 13, verse 23. And he had been released at that time. He was a co-laborer with Paul, not inferior. If we, I hear Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy had servants' hearts. Timothy was noted as accompanying Paul and Silas again, as we mentioned, to Philippi. A very young man. Had a great reputation among those of the city. Timothy was sent to Corinth, as we said, for the purpose of reminding them of Paul's ways in Christ in 1 Corinthians 4.17. Paul's ways in Christ. They didn't, he didn't go preach Paul. He preached Paul's ways in Christ. Timothy was with Paul through the Ephesian ministry and left Macedonia with him in Acts 20, verse 1 through 4. You know, that big riot that happened. All the dangerous things. Many adversaries, Paul says, in Ephesus. Timothy was with Paul during his imprisonment. His name appears in the epistles of the Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Prison epistles. It was dangerous to associate yourself with a person in prison, especially when he was charged 
about his crimes against Rome because he was preaching another person who was in control of the world. Paul affirms repeatedly Timothy was a servant, approved in character, and had not no other one so like-minded as when it came to the care of the church, a true faithful son of the faith, as he has stated here in our verses. He says that in 1 Thessalonians 3, 2, 1 Timothy 1, 2, Timothy was ordained by God and affirmed by the prophecy in, in the presbytery, the, the leading elders in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, 4, 14, 2 Timothy 1, 6. So everything God was directing and guiding and affirming what he was doing. Paul left him as the pastor at Ephesus to oversee the church until Paul would return in 1 Timothy 1, 3. 3.15 Timothy was petitioned by Paul to be present before his death that's how close this man was to him in 2 Timothy 4.9 11 13 and 21 his last will and testament who did he want with him? Timothy wow you know a husband or a wife can be faithful in outward actions and deeds, while not loyal in heart. But if one is loyal in heart, they will be faithful and their faithfulness will be genuine. It's the heart. There will be things that um, will test your loyalty and mine and Christ throughout our life. Our witness about him to others under intimidation or opposition. The fact that you may have to stand alone, though we really don't go through anything here in the United States, though there may be some isolated instances, but it's still there when we uh, accept Christ. Our unwillingness to compromise the gospel message of grace for repentance from sins to be saved. People don't want to hear that. It offends them. They say, well, who do you think you are? When did God die and made you God? Because they don't believe the authority of the scripture. They believe that you're imposing your views and your self-righteousness. So they call you a bigot. Today, everything is twisted. Now you're a racist. Right? Our refusal to ignore, to give up corrupt doctrines that are essential for the character of God, the pravity of man, the deity of Jesus Christ, the first and second coming, the rapture, the judgment of both believers and unbelievers. That we stand fast. This is what the Bible says. This is what's going to happen. God will judge every person who rejected them. And every person who rejects them will end up in the lake of fire for all eternity separated from God. I didn't write the Bible. This is what the Bible says. I will not compromise the doctrines of the Bible. Jesus said in John eight thirty one, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What a slap to the emergent church this is. When they willingly give up God's word. <laughs> they don't put a premium on God's word. Rick Warren says that if you study prophecy, you're wasting your time. Wow. Wow. I want to see what happens when he stands before the Lord. Our loyalty to those who have been our spiritual examples and teachers will also be tested. Will we become one with the murmurings and the people, those who are in leadership? 
will we get caught up with gossip and slander about the people also? Will we be deceived by the new movements of the cultural fads that come into the church to corrupt the nature of the church? Many shepherds have. Many leaders have. And they're proud of it. They feel they're liberal progressives in the church. (laughs) They're not bound by old traditions. They're not bound by these moral handicaps. Wow. Second Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. We do what we do and we stand where we stand to please God because we have been called to warfare He is our captain. He is the host of heaven, the captain of the armies of heaven. There are many who demonstrate their loyalty to Christ at the loss of their family or even life. Always has been through history. It will continue even to the very end of the seven-year tribulation. In fact, Many will die during the Great Tribulation. Two of three Jews will die under the hand of the Antichrist. We're going to get that in Zechariah in the latter chapters. A brother or sister becoming hostile towards a brother or sister for becoming a Christian. A son or a daughter being rejected by their father and mother or the entire family because they become Christians. I'm sure you've met people like that. Some fathers and mothers would prohibit their son or daughter under the age to go to church anymore. A wife or husband divorcing their mate because they become Christians. That's why Paul gives a greater freedom to the person who's married to a non-believer and they don't want to be with them. Then he says, you're free. But to believers, he says, you're not free. Unless there's adultery. So there's a greater constraint to the believer than to the one who's married with a non-believer and the non-believer doesn't want to remain married. God doesn't want that believer to live a horrible life and he releases them if the non-believer chooses the divorce. But the believer cannot initiate the divorce towards a non-believer. It has to be the non-believer towards a believer, Okay. Very important, okay? Some people are put to death for accepting Christ. Depending on where they live in the world. Certainly this is true in Islamic countries. Man, if you're born again, you've got a target on your head. You're back. They are, your family members are duty-bound. To kill you. Hmm. Jesus said this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father. Daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me, he's not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me, he is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses life for my name's sake will find it. Matthew 10, 35 through 39. In other words, Jesus divides people. And the only way you can really love your parents or your friends is first to love Jesus, though that may divide you. Now you really pour out your love towards them and you're willing to even lay down your life for them. The love of God. And so Timothy was a loyal servant. Not only faithful, but loyal. 
Notice thirdly, in verse 23 and 24, the Apostle Paul revealed Timothy was submissive, trusting Paul's spiritual discretion here. Paul came to this decision based on what he had revealed to them about Timothy. Listen to his words. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. The Greek begins with this one, emphatic. This one, this one I'm talking about, this one that that has character, this one has been proven himself as genuine. The conclusion of Paul is indicated by the word therefore. Consequently, on what he has stated, what precedes it. In view of the fact that Timothy would provide Paul with an accurate report about the Philippians in verse 19. In view of the fact that there was no one like-minded as Timothy who would care for the Philippians, verse 20. In view of the fact that Timothy sought the things of Christ, not his own, in verse 21. In view of the fact that Timothy was faithful and loyal as a son to a father, in verse 22. This is the only logical conclusion. The hope of Paul indicated is not one of uncertainty, notice, but certainty. The word hope means to trust in something, a firm Confident persuasion. This persuasion was the result of depending on and being directed by the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, the beginning. So it's not just human conclusion based on his own rationale. Though certainly God is using his mind and illuminating. The tense is the indicative present active ongoing in the present still. Confident persuasion. Notice the urgency of the matter is unmistakable, willing to do without Timothy for a time. Send him at once. Paul's in prison. He's there ministering to the needs of Paul. And Paul is willing to let him go for his love of the Philippians. You see this in Maybe a son, his father, something happened, and, 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 and he says, No, Dad, I'm going to say, No, you, Dad said, No, you go, you go stay with your mom and your sister, I'll be okay. You see? Each of them are thinking not of themselves, but of others. The motive is love. This is the same here. The phrase at once means as on the instant. In other words, the idea is as soon as possible, if not immediate. Timothy was in full agreement, notice, with the discretion and direction Jesus had given to Paul. If you're going to serve God or man, you must make yourself, listen, available. I hear people, well, you know, I want to be used to God. Well, come around. You know? It's like someone saying, I want to go swimming. We'll go around water. It's simple. Not that difficult. Notice Paul gave them the determining factor for the dispatchment of Timothy to them. As soon as I see how it goes with me. He's very clear about his intent and what's going on. This refers to the next decision based on when he would be released from his imprisonment at Rome. The word see is the act of turning one's attention from one thing to another thing in order to concentrate upon it. Paul was primarily preoccupied with the affairs of the church of Philippi, others not himself. Paul would now... He was going to turn his attention from the situation of the Philippians to his own situation in order to decide when to send Timothy to benefit them. Now, this does not contradict the previous statements about his release, but refers to the latest update or the final verdict. What he has said in chapter 1, verse 19, he says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's not contradicting himself. 125, he says, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for all your progress and joy of faith. 
Now he's going to give them the latest update. He's waiting for the last verdict that's going to come in. Then notice in 24, the Apostle Paul revealed his longing desire to be available like Timothy, that I myself shall also come shortly. Paul was sure Jesus would continue to direct his steps. As I look back at 43 years of walking with the Lord, and it's gone so fast. When I was back there just young in the Lord, first year, two years, whatever. You know, you, you're listening to Pastor Chuck. You're listening to men who have walked with God for many years. And you're trying to grow and learn. And, 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 and you want God to direct you. And you're lifting your heart to the Lord. But you just don't know. But you've got this, this Bible that you've got to study. And God begins to deal with you and everything else. And, and, and you look back and you see God's faithfulness when you didn't know. But you were willing to be guided, directed in an open heart. And God was faithful to do it. But I trust in the Lord, he says. Wow. He knew he would be released even though he was still waiting. The word trust means to be persuaded or assured confidently. It is translated confident in chapter 1, verse 6, 14, and 25 of chapter 1. The tense is the indicative, perfect, active, a completed action with ongoing results. There was no doubt. The word trust is a complement to the word hope in verse 23. They go together. He knew Jesus would... Release him. But more than that, he knew that Jesus was behind his imprisonment. You must preach the gospel to kings. Paul, as you've given witness of me, you're going to have to bear witness of me at Rome. Whoa. The word Lord Kurios indicates Paul's master, Jesus, the one who owned him, the one who he served, the one who made him... He made himself available for. Paul was sure he would be set free and not far behind Timothy. Listen to his words that I may my, that I myself may, shall also come shortly. His release would make him available to come to the Philippians. The personal pronoun I confirmed he trusted only the Lord, not himself. And yet he trusted only himself and Timothy to minister for the care of the Philippians because no one would care for them as they. The indicative future middle voice comforted the Philippians. He would be bringing himself to them. Even as a little child talks to their mom or dad and they say, Dad, when are you getting home? Mom, are you, going? you know, I'm going to come, I'm going to land at 1030. And you be waiting for me. I'm going to walk through those two doors and I will present myself right before you. Comfort, anticipation. Hmm. His release would come soon, he says. The confident and certain language could come in two ways. By a word of knowledge that Jesus gave to him, assuring him that he would be released. Or by the verdict of the court. Or it could be a combination of both. Certainly, you can't exclude them. The words are there. And certainly, he's being led by Jesus. The word soon means quickly or suddenly. It's the same word in verse 19. So there was no doubt in Paul's mind or heart about his release. Nehemiah, if you remember, hearing the devastation of the city of Jerusalem was brokenhearted. So he made himself available to God to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem by praying four months to God that he would prepare the heart of the king to let him go. 
He made himself available as the cup bearer of the king. But God had to change the heart of the king. So what did he do? He prayed for four months. Wow. Those who understand that every believer fits somewhere in the body of Christ will always make themselves available to serve. Seeking God in the word and prayer for their calling and place in the body of the church. Asking God for spiritual gifts imparted to them. Depending on the baptism of the Holy Spirit for empowerment for service. Romans 12, 3-5 says, For I say, though, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. As God has dealt to each one the measure of faith, for as we have many members in the body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. We need one another and we affect one another. It goes together. The wisdom of those in leadership is to know the men and women God is raising up, their gifts, and to always be asking the Lord Jesus to direct and guide them as to who the best person is to put over what ministry. God would raise people up. Every person on staff was sitting where you are one time. They didn't go to seminary. We didn't have men send us. I went back to school afterwards, but I didn't go to school to find out what God wanted. (laughs) That's the difference between God doing work and men. It's to benefit the particular person or ministry seeking the Lord for them. To make sure God gets the glory. To further the maturity of the church body. To raise up servant leadership for the future if God tarries. To test and prove those through time. To encourage others to make themselves available. It all works like that. People that serve sat where you sat. At one time. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 6-7, he says, Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other, for who makes you to differ from another? And what do you have that you have not received? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as you have not received it? Some pastors, some people who apparently think they're servants have forgotten where God brought them from. The sewer. Whether you were ankle deep or over your head, that doesn't really matter, does it? And they somehow think that God is blessed and used them because they're just the greatest thing since ice cream. Wow. Timothy was an available servant. There you have it. He commends Timothy for following the same example of Christ serving others. Timothy was a faithful servant. Timothy was a loyal servant. And Timothy was an available servant. Three good things to keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this time and your goodness. Pray for those that are listening, Lord, over the internet, the radio, and Father, those here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved. Did you repent from your sins and call upon his name? You can do this right now. As you see yourself as a sinner in need of God, by the work of the Spirit of God, and you call upon him and ask him to forgive you, he will give you a brand new life, a new nature. Forgive your sins and make you a child of God by grace through faith. Right where you sit, if this is your desire, this is your prayer of repentance to Him. And He's going to make you His son or His daughter right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your Spirit. I accept you. 
as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.